3: the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. It is Thursday, June 30th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces shortly thereafter, you will hear the entire show on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. I am here in beautiful, scenic, extremely hot Las Vegas, Nevada, of course, on site for UFC 276 and International Fight Week. It's been a busy week. It'll be a busy day. The next two days will be borderline insane. And I'm very excited for the insanity and the chaos that will ensue over the next couple of days. Got in on Tuesday. It was a long day. Multiple flight delays. Gone in about four hours later than I was supposed to. But that's okay because we're here. We made it. We had... The UFC 276 Media Day yesterday, which was a lot of fun. There were so many media members at that Media Day. It was absolutely crazy. So many people. There's probably 70 or 80 media members just at Media Day. There's probably way more than that here that were at Media Day. We had a lot of fun. I got to talk to John Anik. You will see that interview on... The MMA Fighting YouTube channel. I believe the audio is already up on the podcast network. Got to go backstage at the Apex. Was in the dressing room area and got a chance to talk to John Annick to preview the card one-on-one, talk about his broadcast partner, Daniel Cormier, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it just gets me fired up. Just gets me fired up with these cards. And then today, we have the UFC 276 press conference, which will feature a lot of the names that we saw. At the media day, pretty much the entire main card will be there. Let me just pull it up real quick so we know what to expect. Just make sure I want to give you the correct information. Uh, it's going to kick off at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, which is, by the way, very weird to try to get used to. I think I'm going to. En- I think I'm going to enjoy being on PT for a little while. I think getting back to ET is going to be rough. And then after the press conference, we get the Hall of Fame. Jose and I will be on the red carpet. Hopefully, we'll get some stuff from Habib Nurmagomedov, Daniel Cormier. Cub Swanson's there. Kiki Chikadze will be there as well. And then tomorrow, I will be at the – inside the Las Vegas Convention Center, UFC X. The two-day fan experience is going on there. And that's basically where I'll be spending – My entire Friday and a lot of my Saturday before the actual fight card, because I will be there. I'll have my own spot. We'll have there's gonna be like a a little bit of a media radio row setup like you see at the Super Bowl. And it's just gonna be fighters coming up and up and up and up. So if you guys are there, come say hello. And then tomorrow we get the UFC 278 press conference with Kamara Usman and Leon Edwards. That one kicks off at six PM Eastern and then 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, the UFC 276, not official, the uh, ceremonial weigh-ins will be going down as well. So a lot going on this week. It's going to be crazy. This is the grappling event on Sunday as well. Fight card on Saturday. And I'm ready to go. I'm excited. 4 Corner sports, you get to kick us off. Hopefully my internet is good. What's up, Four Quarter Sports? How are you? Good Morning. Uh, I haven't been listening to a couple of shows as of late. Been pretty busy. Just wanted to know um, what type of
4: interviews should we, we be excited for, or that you have lined up against uh, the fighters on International
3: Fight Week, and yeah, sorry, sorry, Four Quarter Sports, you are breaking up like crazy. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. we'll try to get you back in. Um, So here's – I'm talking – I know a lot of people have been asking – this is a name that comes up on the next one. After the Hall of Fame red carpet, I'm going to be talking to Daniel Rodriguez. He's in town. Try to get an update on what is going on with him. So at the expo, here are some of the names that are scheduled to be there tomorrow. And I'll read off Saturday. Dan Severn, Michael Chandler, Anik already talked to, Mark Coleman, Cody Garbrandt, Don Fry, and Jacek, Giga Chikadze, who we're going to talk to tonight, Casey O'Neill, Valentina Shevchenko, Hafiola Sunsau, Megan O'Levy, Gilbert Burns, Ilya Taporia, Marvin Vittori, Charles Oliveira, Aljamain Sterling, Chris Weidman, Mackenzie Dern, Kevin Holland, Yuri Perhashka, Anthony Smith, Holly Holm, Chuck Liddell. And then Saturday... Calvin Cater, Rob Font, Cub Swanson, Jessica Andraj, Jan Blahovic, Corey Sanhagen, Amanda Hibas, Vicente Luque, Bilal Muhammad, Adrian Yanez, Josh Emmett, Henry Sahudo, Carlos Barza, Tatiana Suarez. There could be more. We'll see what happens. Let's go to CRJ. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm
5: good. I'm good. You know, I had to come here and just address what everyone is saying. Um, I'll offer $3 million to anyone who can prove that I even know what PED stands for. <laughs> so I'll put the money. That's a great intro, line. And it'll get right to you. I don't even know what that is.
3: That's hilarious, buddy.
5: Um, anyway, um, excited for this card. I, I just want you to call fight of the night. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep it simple.
3: Fight of the night. There's, I mean, golly, there's a lot. I mean, I gotta go. The safe bet is the co-main events, and that's what I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Alex, I'm gonna go with Volkanovski Holloway for fight of the night. If we're going a little bit... You know Robbie Lauer, Brian Barberane is going to be crazy. Brad L. Jalen Turner is going to be real good. I mean, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential options here. I think Pedro Munoz Sean O'Malley will be, will be really fun. But if I'm just going by excitement in fights I really want to see and that I'm really fascinated by, I just don't see a world where Volkanovski Holloway isn't the best fight. Mixing of the martial arts at the highest level. Sorry, AK. Let's go to Terrence. Terrence. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hope you're having fun in Vegas.
4: Hope you don't lose all your money. I haven't. <laughs> um, so I was, um, I had other questions, but the fact that you said like Holly Holm was going to be there, it made me think about the fact that um, listening, Katie Taylor is trying to fight Cyborg because Holly's in like contracts or whatever. then White should just let her fight. She's almost at the end of her career and like she just got inducted. Um, that's not really a question. It's more of a statement. Um, one of the questions that I had is if he was talking about, like, things that he um, regret. Um, he was like, he doesn't necessarily regret it, but he did at the time. The fact that his Paulo Costa fight was during the pandemic and there wasn't a crowd because <clears throat> the crowd would have went crazy. But he got to share the moment with um, Paulo Costa's corner and talk crap to them. So he, like, loved that part when he looked back on it. Um, it had me thinking about the Matts and Volk fight which of course is close They can go either way, of course. But if the crowd was there, the judges are human. Do you think Matt probably would have won just based off of the reactions that the actual crowd would have um, been given? Um, because they would have more of a pop for what he was doing versus what Alice is doing because he didn't get as much respect at the time. Um, and then the last one is more like a Freestyle Friday type question. However, this is the last day that I can ask you this. Um, it's the month of June, which of course is prime month, but it's also um, Black Music Month. Um, I want to know in high school, what are the artists that um, basically curated your high school if you had to like pick one or a few artists and did they have any involvement with you becoming a DJ? That's all I got for you, Mike. Thank you.
3: Thanks, buddy. So the Holly Holm thing's interesting. What, I mean, it would be such a UFC thing if Dana let Holly fight <laughs> Katie Taylor but won't let Francis fight Tyson Fury or let Nate Diaz or Conor or Mazadal box Jake Paul. Like, it would just be hilarious. The reaction from Nate Diaz, if he allowed Holly Holm to take that fight, would just be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. Uh, the Cyborg thing's interesting. I mean... <laughs> I would prefer, if I have a choice, I'd pick Holly Holm all day. But Cyborg would be interesting. I just don't see a world where Chris is even, I mean, who knows? Maybe she is competitive, but maybe she she isn't. I mean, it'd be great for her. It'd be uh, a nice bag, some moolah, and we like that for the fighters. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'll ask Holly about that. There's also talk, Misha Tate had said after Lauren Murphy fell out that she was hoping to maybe fight Holly home on Saturday. But that didn't come to fruition. Apparently, I'll see if, if there's any truth to that from, from Holly's side when I speak to her this weekend. But and then just kind of going through. Yeah, Izzy is I like what I'm seeing from Adesanya. We're getting some of that cost of swag, if you will. He's uh he's mentally sharp, he's ready, he's saying he this is his fight's gonna look like Anderson Silva Force Griffin. And you don't hear Izzy get all that specific all that often and he's getting that way. And Max Holloway's getting really specific too, saying that he doesn't think the fight's going to get out of the third round. He was fired up. You can tell he wasn't <clears throat> excuse me, 100% himself because of the weight cut. He looked uh, a little bit of rough, uh, a little bit rough if we're being honest, but man was still on fire and that fight is just terrific. I can't wait to see what happens. As far as the scoring goes, do I think a crowd may have influenced the judges in that second fight? Hmm. Tough to tell but I've said this a million times and allow it to be million one. I've watched this fight more Volkanovsky Holloway two. That is more than any fight over the last couple of years. I watch it probably one, sometimes twice a month because it's so good. And if I ever get burnt out or the sport becomes a little overwhelming at times, just cause like I'm, it's just there all the time. Sometimes I'll just go watch that fight. And it reminds me of just how great the sport really is. And Every single time I've watched it, I've scored it for Volkanovski. scored it the exact same way every single time. Holloway won the first two rounds. Volkanovski won the last three. They're very close rounds. Three, four, and five, that is. Clear Holloway first two rounds, but the fight is just so good. The adjustments made from Holloway from fight one to fight two is incredible. And then the adjustments Volkanovski made in the middle of that second fight, you don't see that all that often in the sport where fighters just Could adjust on the fly like that at such a high level. And that's exactly what Volkanovsky did in that second fight. As far as high school goes, see, I went to high school during a very strange time in the music world. It was when what was really like taking over the music world was like all the boy bands like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys 90 Degrees. Like that's what was taking over in high school. But I've always been, I've always been like a real old school guy. Um, I, I mean, give me Mark Morrison's "Return of the Mac" over "Bye Bye Bye" from NSYNC. Like, give me that stuff all day. Even today, like, give me early to mid '90s hip hop and R&B, and I am a happy camper. We can go to the late '90s and some stuff in the early 2000s, but yeah, I was like a big Boys to Men, Mark, especially that first, the first album. Um, yeah, Montel Jordan. I mean, I my workout playlist. If you're a fan of like old school hip hop and R and B and just like a just a mix of just really fun stuff, it's it's my workout playlist. It's ridiculous. I think we're up to like 270 songs now, but they're all bangers. They all they all do something to get you fired up. Some of you just want to sing out loud. Some of you just want to run through a wall. Some calms you down a little bit. It's great. But I'm an old school guy through and through. Let's go to James.
6: Good morning, Mike. What's up, buddy? um, With uh, Gegard Mousasi losing his belt, do you think there's any chance that maybe he might go back to the UFC and we could finally see a fight between him and um, uh, Israel? And uh, with kind of looking at the card, I think – one of the locks for sure this week is Jim Miller by a TKO first round, which you can get that at plus 500. And I'm curious, who do you think uh, is a, a, like a dog who's a lock this week on the prelims and the main card. And uh, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on Sean O'Malley yesterday. I was giggling when he walked out with that attire and, to hear uh, Jose's question about the watches and him just kind of give a, a s- smart <laughs> comment of, yeah, two risks. I'd like to hear your take on that. And uh, like always, Mike, thank you for what you do here. Have a heck of a morning, and have a heck of a international fight week. Thank you, buddy.
3: Thanks, James. You are the man. Appreciate the kind words. The Musasi thing, no, I think he will end his career at Bellator. They pay him a lot of money to fight for them. The competition is... I mean, he's got a great... As far as prize fighting goes, he's got a great gig. Yeah, I know he just lost to Johnny Eblen. It was a pretty one-sided fight. It was not all that competitive, but still. If this is the worst it gets for guard if the amount of money he's likely getting paid, I think he's okay. There's still some big fights for him. Some big fights that are winnable for him. Like, a, a fight with him and Yoel Romero is going to be huge. Like, it'll be a very big fight for them, and I think that's the direction they will go. Yuall, of course, is fighting Melvin Manhoof on that Ireland card coming up. I believe it's it's in September. I hated that fight then, and I hate it even more now after Yuall's last performance against Alex Polizzi, but I don't know if it'll be an 85. might be a 205. Who knows? But I think the wheels, the wagons have been circled with those two guys long enough. So I think they'll probably go in that direction. But, yeah, Gegard just signed, uh, like, a big multi-fight deal with Bellator. So he's not going anywhere. He'll probably end his career with Bellator. As far as, like, underdog locks, boy, this is a tough one. You're going Jim Miller with the first-round TKO. And I would have gone that direction myself with the Lozon fights in both of them. And Jim's look good. I – like – I think maybe a Jim Miller second round for me. He seems to really get cooking at the end of these rounds. He starts really getting going, gets a lot of momentum at the end of the round, and then the second round he comes out and just blows the doors off these guys. So it's an interesting. I think it'll just be a fun scrap. But as far as like live dogs, I think Julia Stoliarenko is a live dog against Jessica Rose Clark. I think. The Gabe Green and Gary fight's really interesting. I think Brad Riddell's live at plus 120, 125. I know Jalen Turner is really good. That is a risky proposition, probably, but I think Brad is really, really good and super talented and is under is criminally underrated. But Jalen's Jalen just looks sensational. So those are the two I'd probably take a look at. But I'd probably lean more towards the Stoliarenko pick against Jessica Rose Clark. She's at plus 135. Jessica Rose Clark, a minus 155 favorite. I think it's a pretty evenly matched fight. And Echo needs this one pretty badly, if we're being honest.
0: Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Canva
7: presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until.
0: That presentation appeared out of thin air.
7: Also, it's eerily on brand.
4: Wait, did that agenda just write itself?
7: Words appear, making this unexplainable case.
1: Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really?
8: The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now.
1: Canva.com, designed
3: for work. Let's get Tristan in here. Hi, Tristan.
8: Hey, Mike. How's everything? How's everything going in Vegas? Everything's
3: good? Good, man.
8: Allergies are killing me oh, this morning,
9: Tristan. They're killing me.
8: Yeah, that sucks, but it is what it is, like, like uh, Max Holloway says, right? Yeah. Uh, right. um, I, I am so excited. I cannot wait until you interview um, Tatiana Suarez. I will be locked into that interview to see where she is right now as far as her, hopefully, her comeback. So kudos to you for that interview. If you get it, uh, like, obviously you will. So that I'll be very locked into that one. Um, my question is to you is as far as what Max says about the GOAT featherweight and the criteria, because like he was saying, and I kind of agree with him about Jose Alba because Jose Alba has seven title defenses. Max House Max Holloway has three title defenses. Bokanasi has three. And you have Adesanya has he has five title defenses and Kamaru Usman has five. So to I, I think they have to like Bokanowski has to have I think he has to have seven, has to tie that record seven and more to be considered for this generation the greatest featherweight ever, in my my opinion. Because I I really and I think Jed Mishu has to just this that it's so rare to defend the title year after year after year. And it means a lot. It means, like, man, you you, you defended that belt, man. So you're the GOAT. So my question is, who do you think has, like, it's probably either inevitable or the best chance to, you know, tie these records? I mean, again, I said Adesanya has five right now. Anderson Silva has the record. He has 10 title defenses. Wokinowski obviously has three. And Max Houser has three. Jose Alda has seven title defenses. Then Kamaru Usman has five. And then GSP obviously has ten to title defenses. So out of that, that out of those fighters, do you think all of them make it? Do you think um, a couple of make it? Or do you think all of them actually, um, you know, tie the record or break the record, in your opinion? All right, Mike, thanks. Thanks for all your hard work. Appreciate it. And have a heck of a
3: morning. Thanks, Tristan. Yeah. By the way, Max Holloway is correct. Jose Aldo is the best featherweight in the world, or, or best featherweight of all time. Volkanovski, I think, could get there, but it's it's got to be a road, and I think he probably knows that. Like, I think Volkanovski has a better chance of being the best pound for pound fighter currently than he does being the featherweight goat. If that makes any sense, like that's gonna happen sooner. Like, if Volkanovski goes out there and does this thing on Saturday, you can make a strong case he's the best pound for pound fighter on the planet. And it's an it's one that I'm going to have within myself when, when we fill up these rankings because the rankings are due next week. Uh, you, DJ has the record with eleven title defenses. Anderson Silva's got ten. GSP has nine. John Jones has eight, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Although Valentina Rousey with six. Ioana with five. Kamaro probably is the best chance, but I don't think he'll do it. I just don't know if he'll be around long enough to break that record. It seems like, like Usman's so good. Like he's just so good. But I, I mean, 11 title defenses is a lot. And you'd have to get to 12 to break the record. So do you think we'll see Usman fight seven more times? I don't think so. I'd be shocked. It seems like he's losing interest. Like, Not that he's not going to try as hard as he can because he'll try his ass off and he'll keep fighting and he'll keep being as good as he is until his career is over. I just don't know how much longer he wants to do this. I certainly don't think he's going to fight seven more times. So I would, if Usman was like four years younger, it would definitely be him. Volkanovsky's got a chance. Adesanya's got a chance. But I think DJ's record, we might be looking at sort of a Cal Ripken type deal where there's just some records that aren't going to be broken and that one might not be broken. That one's going to take, I mean, that's a lot with the the way the sport has evolved. Someone getting 12 title defenses, boy, that's, that's quite the ask, but Usman probably has the best chance, but I just don't know if he's going to fight seven more times.
2: Let's get Jay in here. What's up, Jay? What's up, Mike, man? Heck of a morning to you. You too. So uh, I'm pretty sure you might be aware, but uh, others I'm, I know are when I talk to my friends about this, but Davidson Figueredo is making a whole bunch of changes again to his MMA career. He, I guess he, he uh, cut ties with Walid and now he got Uriah Faber as his manager. And apparently now he's not training at Fight Ready. He's at Olivera's team. Uh, shoot box in Brazil so how do you think this is going to affect him do you think making all these changes back and forth is going to be good for him Uh, do you think maybe he got Uriah to maybe get a better contract because Waleed wasn't doing it for him so I just wanted to get your thoughts on all the changes he made and my next question is who do you think other than the two title fights uh, what fighters stock would raise from this event because there's so many great fighters on this card a lot of them are good prospects um, do you think maybe, like, Perea, if he beats Strickland, or if a Sean O'Malley, Chaos Pedro Munoz, or if maybe Dreykus Duplassi puts on a great performance, who do you think stock would rise the most uh, other than the two title fights? So those are my two questions, Mike. Thanks for everything you do, and have a heck of a morning, man.
3: Thank you, Jay. Some good questions there. Uh, to address the second question, I'll address the first one first. Davis, the thing. I have no idea like why it happened. I have to say the fight, like the fight rating thing was great for him. I mean, it was tremendous. You saw how he looked physically. You saw how he looked in that fight with Brandon Moreno. He's definitely a different Davison Figueredo, more patient, more relaxed. Uh, I loved what I saw in that fight from a physical standpoint. The build to that fight was awful because Biggie just tried you, you could tell like he was being coached by Sahudo a little bit. I'm sure Captain Eric had had some things to do with how he approached that fight, some of the things that he said. And I think someone asked on this show if maybe those relationships led to Figurator's response to the interim title fight and him being so upset about it and him taking the UFC to task on certain things. Where he's like, well, if you want me to stay at flyweight, you have to pay me more money, or I'll go to bantamweight. Which, in that case, like the UFC's probably like, oh right, so you're telling me that I don't have to pay you any more money, and you could just move up and fight a 135? Okay, they're not gonna like. There's no gonna be no negotiation there. Davis is a great fighter, but he's not a bank breaker for them by any stretch of the imagination. Just not. So maybe all that just sort of came into play and just realized he needed to make some changes and good on him. I mean, only the fighter and there's only like two or three people on this planet who know who knows why he made those moves, but in the end he made them and that's it. As far as the, the stocks rising, it's a really good question. I would say Alex Pahead is probably the correct answer. I think there's, people who are ready to to jump over to the fence to the other side of the yard, to the to the pajeda party, but they're not there quite yet. I don't think they're sitting on the fence. I think they're standing on it. Like, we're doing the Undertaker top rope walk. We're trying to balance ourselves on the fence and looking for which direction. Like, we're ready to jump. We're ready to jump. But which side are we going on? If Pajada beats Sean Strickland, that's a great win. He's getting a title shot especially if Adesanya beats Canada air he's definitely getting a title fight. The is going to do everything in their power to make that fight probably before the end of the year. So I think in terms of being the, you know, I made it, like the I made it kind of performance, this is certainly if a Pajada, I think this is a big one for Sean Strickland as well. It's why, I mean, the betting lines are very indicative as to that. I mean, it's the closest line fight on the card. It's a, It's a, on DraftKings, Right now it's a minus one ten on both sides, it's like pure pick'em. Love the matchup. I loved how both guys were at the media day. Pajeda on fire. And Sean Strickland was was he was Sean Strickland. So yeah, I think it's a big one for Drick's DuPlessis as well because we haven't seen him fight in a year. He had a ton of momentum. And then I think this is his fifth different opponent that he was booked to fight since his last fight about a year ago. So Brad Tavares is a great opponent. Brad's looked good. He's had some... Brad's had some tough fights, man. He's had some tough fights. And he seems to want to to make sort of a late run in his career. I don't know if, like, Ian Gary's stock will rise all that much unless he just absolutely annihilates Gabe Green. But I think, honestly, this is kind of an out-of-the-box one. I think... I think Volkanovsky could, could be a fair pick in this one as well. I think people are on are getting more on board with Volkanovsky, but if he just goes out there decisively beats Max Holloway, if he goes out there and there is not a controversy in the world, if Twitter is not like, oh, boy, the judges could be all over the place with this one when that fight's over and it's clear Volkanovsky won, I think his stock's going to rise even more because I think, I think the more he wins and the more he keeps performing the way he's performing, I think more people are going to take notice and... Give him – he's getting more respect, but he's not getting enough, in my opinion. I know my best friend, AK, agrees with that. Let's get Token here. Emilio, you're on deck, and then we'll go to you, John. Let's see if we can get Token here. So, there he is. Hi,
10: Token. Hello, sir. Yeah, hello, hello. Uh, it's Two Step here. Um, So I'm – uh. I'm wondering here because MMA is always going to MMA and we never get what we want. And this is very clearly set up to be Adesanya-Pereira at the end of the year. So what if I give you this scenario? Cannoneer wins and, uh, sorry, uh, Pereira wins. Are we in a situation where they will just say, uh, we can't do Adesanya for the title. Let's Let's just do Whitaker. Against Cannoneer, and then still have our Pereira versus Adesanya match just for an interim title, maybe, uh, just uh, to kind of put it on the big stage still, because I seem like it seems like this is the only way to go if if uh, the bricks fall in a different way than they want them to do. That's what I'm wondering.
3: Interesting question. I would say. If Kander wins, they're running it, they're running it back. There's, I mean, there's no way they're not running it back. Adesanya undefeated at middleweight. has been a champ for a while. Multiple defenses. There's just no way they don't run that one back. So, if Pajeda beats Sean Strickland, goes out there, has a great performance, beats him, and then Adesanya loses, it stings for it, It's It sets him back a little bit, but... He's in a position where his next fight will be for the belt. It'll be for the belt. So he might have to wait a little bit longer, but I don't think they'll just go, okay, Adesanya's going to fight Pahetta for in a non-title fight. Because we don't even know what's going to happen yet. Because Whitaker's fighting Marvin Vittori in September. And if Marvin beats Whitaker, then that throws that play completely out the window. That's a great fight. Yeah, I don't know. I think they'll just run it back, try to run it back quick. And if Izzy wins... Yeah, I guess you got to do a trilogy, and Paedic could be waiting for a while. So, I don't know. I don't know. But my initial thought is if Kananir wins, they're just going to run it back. But maybe Yadisani will just be like, yeah, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I don't know. It's a good question. Let's get Emilio in here. Emilio! Perhaps. The wheels spinning, can we get them? Come on Emilio. There we go. We got him.
5: What's up, Hey, buddy? what's up Mike? It's uh, good to hear from you again. I hope that you are enjoying the full experience of International Fight Week. Uh, I'm a little bit jealous. Um even though I know that you're you're working, but hey, it's not illegal to also have fun at work. That's uh that's a dream, right? Um yes. as for my question it's kind of a I mean it is MMA related but not necessarily related to the fights this weekend uh from my understanding you I mean it's you and Jose right now down in Las Vegas grinding blood sweat and tears working your asses off um and so you uh, I know for a fact that for the last 6 months you've met up with him a couple of times to work some events uh from the uh, from the rest of the MMA fighting peeps slash family, who else have you have you actually met in person? Uh, I think uh, I remember you mentioned something about golfing with Jed Mashu, Mr. Hot Take himself. Um, I don't know if I remember that incorrectly, but I guess my question is, yeah. So it's it's two questions. One, who else from the MMA fighting family have you actually met in person? And uh, the second part of my question is, Is there are there any plans at all in the future to organize some sort of get-together? Uh, yeah, that's it. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, love you and appreciate you. And uh, talk to you uh, soon.
3: Thank you, Emilio. Uh, to address the second question, God, I hope so. I hope there's a meetup at some point. <clears throat> that would be fantastic. So hopefully, hopefully that does happen. Hopefully if something gets put together this year. We could we could do it. And the reason for that is I have not met everybody on the staff. I have met Jose a few times. I met him before MMA fightings. We worked together at Fansided several years ago. We covered UFC 220 together, which was a good time. I met Damon. In person once, that was way before MMA fighting. Uh, First UFC pay-per-view I ever covered was UFC 208 in Brooklyn. A very forgettable card, if we're being honest. But it was cool just being there in Brooklyn. I remember driving. I had to leave a day early because we got a freaking blizzard. It was horrible. Um, And that was where I learned some valuable lessons about fight week and travel and knowing where you're actually going and where things are happening. Because I spent so much money on parking and just driving all over Brooklyn, being nowhere near places where things are happening. It was a nightmare. Uh, but I met Damon briefly at that card. I have golf with Jed Mishu. Uh, I believe we're going to be playing golf again sometime in the next month, which I'm pretty excited about. Because Mazadal, his MMA promotion, the the icon FC or whatever it's called Um, or game bird FC. I forget what it is. I think it is icon FC. They're having a card in Savannah, Georgia. I think it's August 5th and Savannah, Georgia is like a 15 minute drive from where I live and Jed lives in Atlanta, but his parents live in Savannah. So I think he's going to come down and we're going to maybe tag team that one and just go check out some, some weird MMA and maybe talk to Mazda a little bit and we'll probably play some golf. Well, we do that. So I have met him. uh, And I think that's it. Alex Savas previously worked for us. I have met Casey in person a few times pre-MA fighting. Um, But that's it. Uh, Never met Sean in person. And I think this will be the stunning thing. My best friend, AK, never met in person. Never met my best friend in person. And I cannot wait till that day. Give AK a big old hug. Spoiler alert, AK. Big old hug. But yeah, I hope we get a meetup. And Hawani, i met New York Rick. i met Ariel in person a few times. Ariel's going to be here. Um, I know they're doing a meetup on Friday. And I think I'm going to go. I think we're going to I think Jose and I are going to stop by and, and say hello to the peeps over there. And apparently there's a bunch of meetups going on, so... We'll go in, say hello, and maybe go to the next one because Saturday's just be, be such a crazy day because I'm back on the radio row again on Saturday, like pretty bright and early. So but yeah. I'm excited to uh to see you guys, whoever's out here as well. Let's get Chris in here and then we'll go to UFC Picks. What's up, Chris? Chris, are you there? Try again, Chris. We will try this again. Let's get UFC picks in here. UFC picks, are you there? I don't hear you. There we go. Fuck you, man. That's it? Yeah. You came in. You waited all that. You came in just to say that. Wow. You're the man, dude. We don't need this negativity in this room, not in this house. Get out of here. We can't end with that someone for the love of Christ get in here <laughs> now you got me all mad I don't want to get mad maybe Chris Styles can come back in I don't know it's a weird show I apologize for like all the time changes and stuff it's just a it's just a crazy week we'll pro- I'll probably do something around the same time tomorrow before the radio row thing kicks off but I don't know so we got way weigh- we also have weigh-ins the morning weigh-ins and, and things like that and that going on tomorrow morning as well. So we'll have you covered. That's all I have to do is just say, come on in. Now we have seven people. You're the best. Chris, are you there? Hey, Mike, what's going on? I keep getting bounced in and out, but I think I'm here. Can you hear me? We got you. Yep, oh, I got you now. That's pretty cool.
10: Uh,
3: yeah, he's the best, right? He's the best. So many friends, I'm sure.
10: Yeah. Uh, I'm curious uh, your thoughts on Brad Rodell, Jalen Turner. I was a little shocked to see Jalen Turner be uh, the favorite, actually. Kind of what you think of that fight and where the winner goes, and also a quick one for AK. Uh, listen to Otno. Uh, he still has Hafeo Sunsel ranked like 16 or 17. Seems a little little wild. Curious if uh, he could kind of maybe go in on that.
3: Thanks, thank you, Chris. Well, you know what, AK? Let's let's uh let's give you a chance to defend that ranking. How are you, my best
7: friend? Best friend. Uh, I- I'm sending you a virtual hug until the day that we can we can meet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> excellent uh, received sir yes. received
7: uh first of all wait so with i i that that one person who just called in that, that, was, that did, was that did they just did that they popped in and swore at you
3: they said f you uh okay
7: well first of all to that guy uh fuck you uh that's uh
11: yeah let's, uh
7: just listen exactly. that clear we're right we don't want to listen we're not we're not here to be negative mike you're right that's why i, I called in we want to end. <laughs> well, <activity. laughs> uh, I'll address the Asun Sao thing too. Yeah, uh, people just know I'm pretty rigid with my rankings. Um, so it kind of sucks for a lot of fighters because like obviously the easiest way to jump up is to get a matchup with someone that is ranked. You beat them, you take their spot, and you I mean so um you have a guy like Asun Sao. Sorry, I don't have his like recent fights off the top of my head, but he's mostly been fighting like other veterans and flying down that way. So he hasn't like dropped below uh, a lot of people even though he is on a considerable like losing streak so i still have him over guys like i should change this, this is gonna make me feel so mad i currently have him <laughs> over guys like sean o'malley umar uh jack shore douglas Silva drives and sergey morozov that's like the guys and the funny thing is obviously if he was matched up with a lot of those guys i would favor them um, so for me, it's like I just need to see more of a resume. I want to see a lot. Of, some of these guys still need like a signature win, but I understand completely if you have guys like O'Malley, Magomed uh, Umar, Jack Shaw already in like your top like top ten to twelve range. I totally understand that. Um, but yeah, I mean Aslan Sal is probably one loss away, uh, or or one of these guys behind him, one big win away from jumping up. So my rankings are a little wonky. Frankie Edgar still in there. So there you go. If that wants to give you guys some idea of how messed up my rankings are. Um, But yeah, let's listen. uh, I don't know if I'm the last call, but I just do, you know, end on a positive note and of course say, Mike, you're doing an amazing job. Vegas Mike might be the best version of Mike we've seen yet. (laughs) I don't know. They're all spectacular. (laughs) Uh, You know, South Carolina Mike, Florida Mike, obviously uh, a big favorite. And uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but original flavor, uh, Boston Mike is, you know, the Mike we all fell in love with. So how can I, you know, as much as I trash the New England area area, excuse me. How can I say anything bad about that? So, Mike, you're doing an amazing job. Forget that guy. Uh, I'm sorry I even brought it up. But uh, thank you. Thank you, sir, for the fine work
3: that you've or- you're always providing. What a guy. That's why he's the best friend, folks. A.K. Lee, given the, uh, g- the response. So, here's the Sunsau's recent run. He had, from January 2017, a win over Aljamain Sterling, a win over Marlon Morais, a win over Matthew Lopez, Win over Rob Font. Nice little streak. Then he gets Rice again. Gets choked out in the first round. Loses to Corey Sandhagen, Gets finished violently by Cody Garbrandt. And then he was out for about a year and a half. Last saw him in December. And he got knocked out by Ricky Simone. Um, but apparently he's here. And I'm excited to check in with Mr. Asunso at some point this weekend. And see where, he, where he's at. Where he's going. Etc. Let's get Dean in here. Dean, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you doing? How are you doing, Mike? Doing good. All right, I got a question.
4: How do you feel about Sean O'Malley being a 3 to 1 favorite
10: over Pedro? I kind of I think Sean should be the favorite, but I feel like that's kind of big for this much of a step up.
3: Yeah, it's a great question. It's a it's a really interesting fight, and I thought I thought Sean O'Malley stole the show at the at the media day yesterday. He was, I mean, just the the suit, the purple suit, the hair, the shades, the uh, the two watches was just the best because everybody noticed it. He was asked about it right away, and then Jose it was, it was like, "Is there a reason you have two watches on?" And he goes, "Yeah, I have two wrists," and how can you argue with that answer? just fantastic it's a good fight i think i think there's a re it's where, where are we at yeah minus 300 for o'malley come back on pager's plus 250 i just think sean has so many ways to win this fight Pedro's good pedro can leg kick so that could be interesting but sean is very well aware that that is most people's game plans when you fight him is you want to attack the legs but Pager does it so effectively. He's so durable. Doesn't get finished. Doesn't get knocked out. The dude just can scrap, and he could take punishment. Guy could just take punishment. The Jose Aldo fight is a great fight. High level. We knew all those won. There was like no controversy. It wasn't like oh this we're going to split decision city. It was such a high level fight. It's really really good. But I. I this is a perfect. This is perfect matchmaking. This is exactly, this is exactly what you do with Sean O'Malley right now. This is the type of fight you give him. A guy, a veteran name, give him a test inside the top ten. And here's the thing that I'm most curious about in this situation. The thing about fighting Sean O'Malley is it's it's a very physical thing, and. O'Malley is just such an interesting puzzle because he's so big and he's so lanky and that reach and everything about him. The fact that he makes 135 is just nuts to me. But the thing about fighting a guy like Sean O'Malley is you have to deal with the buzz and the energy that comes with that. And some fighters can deal with that. Marlon Vera can deal with that all day long and twice on Sunday. Marlon Vera doesn't get rattled by anything. But you've seen guys get in that cage with Sean O'Malley with the buzz, the fight week hype, the buildup, the extra media you gotta do, everything that becomes attached to it. And it can just rattle you. It can rattle you. Thomas Almeida was rattled in there. Holly on Paiva was rattled in there. And people remember that? Remember when that fight happened in December? People were giving Holly and Paiva a shot because he had beat Kyler Phillips and they felt that there were certain parts of his game that could give O'Malley problems. And you could just tell he was done. He was beat quick. As soon as he got in that cage, there's just a different energy that O'Malley brings. And you could say that about fighting a guy like Patty Pimblett or something like that. Like, sometimes you just get in that zone. You have to deal with him for a week. Everything that comes with that. And by the time you get in there, it's just exhausting. But Pager's not going to get rattled by any of that stuff. So I'm curious to see how that factor plays into it because – The moment's not going to be too big for Pedro as it was for other guys that Sean O'Malley has fought. So that is a very curious thing is the the mental side. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think we're probably going to see the cards on this one, but I think it's going to be a great fight. Let's go to Alex True. Alex, hello.
9: Hey, what's going on, Mike? Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. All right, awesome. Hey, just – Quickly, I mean, who would have guessed the Prince of Positivity dropping f bombs in the beginning of a uh, heck of a morning today? I mean, that's something you don't <laughs> see on the bingo board every every so often.
3: What a show! Don't 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 say things <laughs> to me. A.K. <laughs> will will sit back and relax. Hey, I mean, that was crazy the pit
9: bull that on him, I see.
3: Question for you: I was
9: going to wait until next week because I know everybody has their eyes set on the big pay per view this weekend. But something I've been thinking about, uh, and hopefully maybe you can give me a little clarity on it. You know, we saw Umar uh, just take Nate Maness and treat him like his little brother for 15 minutes. And it got me thinking, like, what is in it for Nate to, to accept that fight? You know, does the UFC basically tell him it's this fight or you're done? Or is it like a backroom shake of the hand and say, all right, you take this fight and we're going to give you a layup next time? Or, you know, I just don't see the, you know, there's besides the paycheck, I guess. What is in it for Nate? And I guess I'll let it be at that. Appreciate it, Mike.
3: Thanks, man. Yeah, uh, that's a tough fight for anybody. And unfortunately for Nate, he just – he's trying – listen, Nate's trying to climb the ranks, and he's in a division that is just so loaded and so deep that – like, these are the fights. Like, if you're on any kind of a streak, these are the guys you have to fight. You're going to have to fight the Umars, the Chris Gutierrez's, the Adrian Yanez's, the Davey Grant's. Like, those just tough fights that have – such high risk and kind of low reward from name value because they're not like big stars. They don't have, they're not ranked for the most part. And it's just tough. You don't really have much of a say. Now, if Nate Maness was like ranked number 11 at the time and they offer him Umar, maybe we're having a different conversation, but Nate has probably saw the name was like, all right, I guess I'll have to fight this guy. I'm sure there's no hesitation for him to take that fight, but there are very few fights that happen where I just legit feel bad for a fighter. I felt really bad for Nate Maness on Saturday. That was just a tough night at the office because the way I expected that fight to happen and go down was I just thought Nate was going to take him down, take his back, and or, excuse me, Umar was going to take him down, take his back, and spin him in the first round. And while that stings the ego a little bit, it's not a horrible night at the office. You get taken down, smushed a little bit, back taken, rear naked choke, tap, tap, you're done. Go home, eat some pizza, hang out with the fam, All good. But Umar just broke this man. There's was just 15 minutes of hell. It was torture. You just felt so bad for the guy. And there's nothing he could do. Nothing. Nothing he could do. You could make a strong case there were three 10-8 rounds in that fight. That's just a horrible night at the office. So, good for Nate for sticking it out. I'm sure he'll be rewarded with something. But... I mean, 135 is just super tough right now. Like, who... Maybe fights, like, a Montel Jackson or something. I mean, jeez, Luis. Mario Batista, I mean, there's no easy one here. And just some of them are just a little bit tougher. And some of them are, like, Umar, which a lot a bit tougher. God, that was, that was such a great performance. Let's go to... T. What's up, T? Make sure you unmute, and I think we got you. T? All right. Uh, T, jump back in. Try again. I'll get you in. Let's get
11: my man Zeke in here. What's up, Zeke? Mike, what's going on? Just returned back home. Going to be short and sweet for sure. Uh, Just kind of following up what you were talking about. I just see a really, really, really rough time for Pedro closing the distance this weekend just because Sean's going to have, you know, such a freakish length and height advantage. Uh, I think this is kind of like a picture-perfect Sean O'Malley matchup, and I, I, I really expect him to put on a show. So with that being said, I know I'm overstepping. Uh, if he does put on a show, I'm like looking in this, uh, you know, division and how it's shaping up. If my name's Nurmaga Madoff, I'm keeping it out of Sean O'Malley's mouth, of course. I wouldn't want to fight anything that can grapple. However, uh, maybe a Cheeto Vera call out number two, so I could shut up about the fact that obviously he didn't beat him in that fight. But I think he's got a chance to if he doesn't take that Rob Font beating and you know makes it really hard for Cheeto Vera to close the distance, even though Cheeto has you know that freakish length, kind of like a chimpanzee almost. Um, but yeah, what do you think is next for Sean if Sean does roll through Pedro? Uh, thank you for everything you guys are doing out there in Vegas. This is awesome. I literally, you know, breathe and live off this stuff. All the content you guys put out. So thank you. And uh, yeah, let's get after it this weekend.
3: Thanks, Zeke. Uh, always a pleasure. Yeah, I mean, what's next for shot I mean, he-, he laid it out. He was asked what what would make sense. He likes everything from. He likes the Adrian Yanez idea. He had some really good things to say about Yanez and his performance against Tony Kelly. Maybe they go that route. I don't think they will. But Sean seems interested in it, and he would fight him right now, he said. Vera, I think they'll get there at some point. Vera's obviously fighting Dominic Cruz in about a month and a half. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's time to swing those. But if Marlon beats Dominic Cruz, I don't think he's going to want to fight Sean O'Malley because he'll probably be another win away from the belt unless they're really, really willing to, to give O'Malley that kind of a fight, like a number one contender fight. But that would just be kind of strange considering what this division looks like. So there were two names that he kind of said that stood out to me. One was, as he said, Rant. because that's how he mistakenly called him out after the win over Chris Moutinho. I think, I think it was after the Moutinho fight he called him Favreont. Uh but the Rob Fod fight actually makes a lot of sense to me. And the other name he said was... I know there's this Russian guy who says nobody wants to fight him. He's, of course, talking about Pyotr Jan. And if they can't put Pyotr Jan versus Henry Cejudo together, which is absolutely the fight to make, um, that could be an interesting one as well. Because Jan needs something. His division is all pretty much booked up up the top. So if Sean O'Malley wins and he wants to turn around relatively fast, maybe in the fall, maybe he could do that fight. But Font would be the guy... To me, but Fawn also took a big beating in that Marlon verified, so I'm not sure how long he'll be on the sidelines for. But we'll find out, because I'll probably talk to Rob Fawn on Saturday, it looks like. All right, T, let's try this again. Yeah, I got a phone call right as you put me in. Of course, I don't know
10: what that timing was, but... um, It's the best. <laughs> always, always incredible. And whoever said the thing about the sinuses and allergies right now, Hudson Valley, the worst area for it. It is awful uh, right stop. now. Anyways, stop. um... Happy birthday, AK. Gotta get it in. Nobody said it yet, I don't think so. There's gotta be somebody. And I got two things. We haven't really talked about what happens with prayer if he loses and what they do next for that. And another thing, um, what's the move this weekend? Are you guys doing like post fight show and stuff? Just wondering about that. Anyway, thank
3: you. Thanks, T. Uh so we're gonna do we're gonna do preview show. I think Time TBD, but I think it's going to happen earlier than usual. I think it's going to happen maybe right after morning weigh-ins. I think we're going to do the preview show. Unless the schedule has changed, I don't know, because I'm not going to be on it. Jose will be on it, because I'll be at the Expo doing the radio row thing, and I have no idea what my day is going to look like. Uh, We will do a post-fight show. I'll probably be on for that backstage. Uh, We'll do the, the press conference show. We'll stream it. Casey and I will chat in between. Uh, We'll do the People's Pre-Fight show. I don't think I'll be on that. Uh, But I think Jed Mishu is actually going to host that this weekend. So all the stuff that we normally do, we're doing all of it. The only thing that may not happen, because I think we'll do the show tomorrow morning at some point, the only show that probably it's looking unlikely at this point, although I could be wrong, maybe we sneak something out, but the time difference is a real thing. Uh, I don't think we're going to do BTL this week. If we do, it'll just be like, hey Jed, what are you doing for the next hour? Nothing? Okay, let's hit record and go. And just talk about stuff. Uh, what's your some of my favorite episodes? I just I don't know with like with everything going on with, with, with the presser, with the um with the hall of fame tonight and everything. I just don't know if we're gonna have time to do it. So we'll see. So everything will be the same. I think BTL will be the one thing that mm, probably won't happen at this point, but Maybe you will. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Mike?
1: Good, sir. All right. Firstly, I want to apologize to A.K. Lee because when I sent my Ought No picks, I match made for Phil Hawes and uh, Chris Curtis.
9: Oh. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Brutal. Not only should he not have read my picks, I think I should have to serve hard time in federal prison for that. So I, you, were, you weren't you were alone, James.
3: There's, uh, yeah, you, you you all got AK fired.
1: I'm going to blame it on lack of sleep uh, because the alternative hurts too badly. True. But uh, what I wanted to ask you is, I, I I thought we saw you know some great fights last week. We've been on a good little run here, but last weekend, you know, we had Arman Sarukian and Shavkat Rachmanov, who I think are great prospects. What I wanted to ask you is, if you had to prognosticate which one of those two will have a better career when it's all said and done, where would you go? Heck of a morning to you, and safe travels.
3: Thanks, buddy. Wow. This is a great question. Who's going to have the better career? Sheesh. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Serukian will have. I think. I think. I'm gonna, I'll. I'll lean Serukian, but I could. I could absolutely be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. If Shavka, because here's the thing about Serukian that I'm sure of, is that he's gonna get significantly better. He's gonna get way better where he's at right now. And he's damn good. 25 years old, that fight with Matush Gamrat, which I've now watched three times, I still feel Sarukia won that fight. Um, I feel more confident the more I watch it that Saruqian won that fight. Again, this is not a robbery or nothing like that. I think there's things about his performance that he will look back on with regret. Like how he performed in the last two rounds, uh, slowing down, not pacing himself as well as he wanted to with Gamrot just having an insane gas tank and cardio output. So I think that, I think there are things he could have done and same thing. Like we saw it the week prior with Calvin Cater. I thought Calvin Cater beat Josh Emmett. Um, but I'm sure there are certain things about his performance. Calvin didn't really get into that second gear that he probably needed to make it emphatic en- enough to get the judges cards on his side. Uh, and I think, he's going to be kind of kicking himself for that. I think Sarukyan is going to be kicking himself a little bit, but I just know looking at Sarukyan and that performance that he's 25 and he's not only going to get better, he's going to get significantly better. And that's scary. Shavka, I mean, how much better can you get? What he did to Neil Magny, like if this guy could actually get better, like way better than that, golly, that's a scary proposition. But not a bad conversation to have your name in, that's for sure. But both those guys I'm extremely high on. I think both are going to have great careers. Both are going to fight for titles. Uh, and maybe, I don't know. That's a great question. All right, I got to get going. I'm going to take one more uh, from Brian Cashman. and yeah, I got to go. Um, the schedule is piling up. Schedule's piling up, friends. I'm sorry. Brian, how are you? Good
1: morning, you? Mike. Sorry I'm late. I, I missed the whole show. But uh It's all right. All right, I got I got a quick question about the uh the Media Day question. So I mean I listened to most of the interviews and like how how hard is it to like ask questions to fighters that I mean, like Jared Cannonier was giving you nothing. I mean, like <laughs> there was like a couple fighters that were just like I mean, obviously they're focused on their fight, and I don't blame them. But how hard is it to come up with questions for fighters like that? That's all
6: I got. And heck of a morning to you.
3: Thanks, buddy. I mean, I'm I'm a feel guy. There's certain things like I definitely want to ask, and there's certain thing there's certain directions I will go based on what their opponents say. So, Izzy, I like the one thing I missed most of Izzy because. I had a very short window with John Anik because Anik was going to be the apex, and like literally, if I was going to do the preview with Anik, like I was doing for all these pay per views, I had from three local time to three twenty local time, and that was it. Like for the whole week, I had that twenty minute window, so I had to miss Izzy. There were certain things I wanted to ask Izzy about, one of which was Ali talking about Habib saying him saying that like Habib could come out of retirement and finish out on in your third round. I was really Thinking about that. I was actually gonna ask Jerry Kennedy in the air about that, but after him <laughs> giving me crap about the other stuff, which is fine. Which is fine. Uh, but I wanted to just it was wasn't more of like just hey, how do you respond to Izzy's trash talk? It was more just this thing, because he even said it himself. He said, nobody not a lot of people are giving me a chance to win this fight. And you know, based on what people are saying and then based on just that feeling overall of feeling like you're overlooked. Like, is that a freeing feeling heading into that fight? And he was just like, I don't care what anybody says. Blah blah, blah. It's tough when that happens. It does happen. These guys are cutting weight. They're probably miserable. They probably don't want to be there. Um, it's an obligation to them. And I get that. I get that. I didn't want to push too much. Um, I try to get something out of that, but he certainly got fired up. And I'm sure if I asked him about the, Ali Habib thing. I'm sure he would have thrown the frigging microphone at me, but you know, there's certain things like um, there's like Gabe green. When he talks about Ian Gary saying that he had a big head and you know, he wasn't, didn't think he was that good. He's buying into his own hype. Like, I've, like I remember that I asked Ian about it. Um, I would have asked, is he, I, I know somebody did, I would ask Izzy about the, the first meeting that him and Air had because Air told a good story about that. But you get all these nuggets. It's just a matter of paying attention and just taking mental notes of, you know, what we want and, and this and that. Like Alex Bejeta, Izzy saying can't wait to punch him in the face of MMA gloves. I thought that was a tremendous response from him. So I just kind of have an idea. And there's a reason John Morgan goes first because John, John sets the table perfectly with the questions he asks. Because you could build upon those questions. Because someone's going to ask them. John is a tremendous leadoff hitter when it comes to that stuff. And that's why he asked the first questions, because he sets the table. And you could build a whole scrum based on the answers of John's questions, because you could follow up, because you can go down different lanes. And when you have John in there leading off like that, and he's getting on base, steals second. Someone's got to bunt him over the third and someone's got to drive him in. But John does a great job as a leadoff hitter and it makes makes our lives easier, honestly, when actually thinking of questions to put together. So, all right, I got to get out of here. Um, busy day ahead. Press conference coming up later. Highlights, watch MMAfighting.com. Uh, you can watch it live on the greatest website in the world as well. When that goes down, uh, Jose and I will be there. We will also be at the Hall of Fame red carpet with Habib and DC and Cub Swanson, Gigachadza. They will all be there. Uh, maybe we'll have some other surprise fun guests as well. Uh, so we'll do those interviews or scrums. I don't know really sure how it's going to work. Uh, I'll be talking to Daniel Rodriguez not long after that. I know he's a very popular fighter on onto the next one. Like, who's he going to fight? We try to match him up. So we'll get an update with him. And then it's just going to be insane on Friday. Uh, tomorrow with Radio Row. So if you're going to be in Vegas, if you're going to be at the Fan Expo, come say hello, because I will be there basically for two entire days doing these interviews and stuff like that. But just follow up with MAFighting.com. We will have you covered. Appreciate you guys. Checking out the program. Tomorrow we'll go again. Not sure what time yet. Probably around the same time, but I'll let you guys know as soon as I know. So thank you very much. Have a great day. And as always... Have a heck of a morning.
9: You're the best. Media Podcast Network.
0: Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new. To know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Canva
7: presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until...
0: That presentation appeared out of thin
4: air.
7: Also, it's eerily on brand.